0: Welcome to the Crossview Church message of the week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. So I'm going to transition us and our thinking again uh, from what we just uh, experienced back into our time together in the book of Colossians. And uh, I am glad to be able to do that. If you were here last week, I am thankful that hopefully you had fun at our block party that we had last week. And I'm so glad that we had it last week when it was sunny and not this morning. Because it's pouring down rain. We certainly would have moved it into the gym if this had been last week. So, and it's crazy that it's, you know, almost June and we still have days like this. So, um, I hope that if you came, that was a a fun time, a good time to connect relationally. I also want to just say... A huge thank you to Seth Van Tifflin, who was here with us this last week, and who shared about In Better Hands and some of the work that's happening in Asia. If you didn't get to hear, to hear him, I want to encourage you to go to our website and listen to his message, just incredible, or you can listen, we, we put those out as podcasts as well, our sermons, so you can listen in either of those ways, and uh, powerful stuff that's happening uh, with Seth and in the ministry in Asia. So we want to jump back into the book of Colossians this morning, and I want to do so by sharing something with you, that uh, sh- sharing with you about something about myself, which if you're observant may not be too surprising, and that's that I do not like shopping for clothes. I <laughs> hate shopping for clothes. It is the worst. I don't like spending money on new clothes, and I don't like the process of shopping for new clothes. I don't want to go look for something new to wear, and I especially don't want to try them on in the store. (laughs) It is the worst. Uh, In fact, the only time that I get new clothes is when I wear a hole into something. Uh, And Christina might see those holes, and she either buys me something brand new, or tells me that I need to go do it myself. And uh, even then, I will usually buy part of what Christina lovingly calls my uniform. Which is usually a black shirt and chino pants. (laughs) And I usually almost always buy it from Target. And uh, yeah, I, I do. I wear the same thing almost every day. It takes the choice out of having to pick out clothes every morning. I think it looks good you know, I do. I don't know if you do, but I think it looks good. Uh, it's simple. And here's where I'm trying to spiritualize it a little bit. Uh, the early heart of the free Methodists valued simple dress. So there you go. It's my kind of holding on to our heritage. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, okay, Pastor Kyle, why are we talking about clothes, right? Well, it's a good question. Uh, The metaphor of clothing is actually something that Paul uses here in Colossians, uh, and he helps you and I and the Colossians understand what life with Jesus is like, or I should say what new life with Jesus is like. In Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 17, Paul writes this, since God chose you to be uh, the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks uh, through him to God the Father. So, wow, the metaphor of clothing has spoken for thousands of years. (laughs) It's incredible. Uh, So, over these past few weeks, we have been trying to reinforce that something happens in us when we put our faith in Jesus. There's a radical transformation of the type of people we become when the power of Jesus takes hold in our life. This is so important because our world clearly needs this. Amen we get to participate in several thinking shifts. So you remember these. First, Jesus becomes the central image of our life, the one in which we're building everything else around. Second, we experience the inward reality of God's presence. God goes from being an outward, outside force whose actions have some effect on the world around us to an inward reality. God's powerful and living presence In us, empowering us to live the way that He's called us to. Third, Paul invites us to set aside our extreme individualism and understand ourselves as part of a larger whole, an identity changing reality that we are a family of God, the body of Christ, that Christ is in you all, if you remember that discussion. And finally, our last week in Colossians, we talked about the fact that we have all we need to live lives of devotion or enthusiastic action for the kingdom of God. We've been given life in full measure through Christ here and now, and we can act on that today. Well, today, Paul is describing for us what it's like when we actually live out that new life in Christ. It's like he's saying, look at all this incredible stuff that's happened to you. So when you go, in verse 12, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, as you go, because of all of these incredible thinking shifts and realities that have changed you and happened to you, you are to put on the characteristics that match the reality of the one who now lives inside your heart. You must put on the characteristics of the one who for centuries we've been telling stories about. You must put on the characteristics of the one whose faithfulness never ends, no matter what happens. The God of the Old Testament, the revealed Messiah, our Savior Jesus, put on those tendencies, and then Treat each other that same way. <laughs> Easily said, right? <laughs> and just in case you don't think that it's actually possible that you could actually be characterized by tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, Paul reminds his readers just a few verses before our passage today. He says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on or clothe yourselves, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. I love this word be renewed because it's essentially saying you, you have been renewed, you are renewed, and you're still being renewed. It's a be being renewed, right? So why is this, uh, impo- why is this, uh, why is it that this is possible for us? I know that I'm going to sound like a broken record here. We've been saying this each week, but all the way back in Colossians in the first chapter, again, Paul reminds us, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light because for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then in chapter 2, he says it again. You were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us, and it took it away and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Credible stuff. So I guess I don't feel too bad about being a broken record in our weekly messages because Paul keeps doing this in his letter. Chapter after chapter, he's reminding us. The reason that Paul can say you must clothe clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and then expect it to happen is because of what Jesus has done for you and me. And we're living into that reality. In fact, Paul's calling us to that. He said, if this has happened to you, then live into this reality. In fact, one commentator I read this week wrote this. The force of this whole chapter, if not the whole New Testament, is not try harder or do better to be a better Christian. The message of the gospel is to give up on that whole project because that former self, the false self, is dead. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now you are alive to a brand new reality. As you sit here today, you've, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you've been raised to a new way of life. A way of life empowered by God to actually live out these characteristics that Jesus tells, about, tells us about and Paul calls us to. That's a powerful realization about the, the context and the reality of our lives. So here's the question. Are you... Doing that. (laughs) Here's the really cool encouragement about this. That we're told to clothe ourselves with these things. What's really fun and and wonderful about this statement. Is that. uh, Is because we can do this because of what Jesus has done for us. So it's not just a covering. It's. uh, We don't have to pretend. And this is Powerful. It's not like we're method acting here, right? Have you ever, do you know what method acting is? Have you ever thought about that before? Method acting is where an actor entirely becomes their character until that project is complete. Uh, I've heard about this a little bit. I've read about it a little bit, some this last week, and it's fascinating how this works. So it might sound normal for an actor to entirely become their character, but in method acting, the actor becomes that character whether they're filming or not. Uh, There are several actors that are famous for method acting. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, for example, is pretty famous for taking on the character of Abraham Lincoln in a movie called Lincoln. I saw that movie. I thought it was a really well-done movie, and he was an incredible actor. It's reported that whether on or off the set, while they were filming, he always answered as if he was Abraham Lincoln. In fact, he only responded to that name. (laughs) Pretty crazy, right? (laughs) Just think about that. Like, if you're Abraham Lincoln, you're like, what's this technology? It's a phone, right? I mean, you can kind of take it to some extremes. But obviously, he wasn't really Abraham Lincoln. But uh, he did this to try to entirely embody the character that he was playing. Fascinating, to be sure. And led to some great acting. But the incredible reality that we learn from Paul here, Paul's admonition for us is not about faking it. We are not method acting. Another commentator I read this week said this, the old or false self must be taken off, crucified, dead, and buried. This only happens when we dare to believe the gloriously beautiful truth about ourselves, that we are created in the image of God. We are deeply known by God and we are profoundly loved by God. This is true not because of anything we've done, but because of who God is and what He has done for us. This is what it means that we have clothed ourselves with a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of its Creator. You see, with Jesus, putting on these new clothes is not about covering up something that's still stuck in its own sinful ways. With God, we can put on these new clothes because we are being and we have been and are being renewed. We're not method actors, we're new creations. Amen. Incredible. Praise the Lord. This means that we can actually step out in tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and it's not fake. <laughs> It's real, it's powerful, it's born of the Spirit of God living in you and living out of you at the same time. Incredible. (laughs) Reality-changing, life-changing ideas here and what Paul is teaching us, what God has done for us. Because we've been and are being renewed, one commentator said this, I loved this phrase this last week, it's like letting your heart dictate to your hand. Think about that. It's like letting your heart dictate to your hand. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about it? It's like letting the new reality of your heart, the real inward change that you've experienced, dictate your actions in the world. It's transformation on display. Letting your renewed heart dictate to your hands, meaning what you do out in the world. (laughs) We've all seen those kinds of people, right? Who have, we've seen it this last week. Who don't have that transformed heart with Jesus. And their actions out in the world are destructive. Paul is calling us to be people who live out of the truth. Of our changed reality. Calling us to particular ways. Let your heart, your renewed heart. Dictate to your hands. Or what you do out in the world. So here's a great spiritual formation question for us to ask this week. What is my heart? dictating to my hands <laughs> what is my heart dictating to my the actions of my life if i were to look at my life if i were to look at my actions this week would i say that those actions could be described as tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience i'll just be honest i didn't like that question this week <laughs> As I reflected on my own actions toward people around me, my family, my wife, my kids, my friends, there were so many times where I could say, I don't think that my actions could be completely defined by tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, and gentleness and patience. God, I have work to do. Please help me. It's a hard but good question to ask. It's an incredible reality that we have in Jesus. So that's a good question. We could probably spend the rest of our, the week on that, but I want to take this even a step further for us. Okay, so we understand what God has done, that, that because of this inward transformation and change, we actually can live out these characteristics. They're not fake. It's not a covering, but we can authentically leave these out. But I want to take it a step further. Here's a way of thinking about these characteristics that might help us, all of us, uh, do our best to live these out. And that is this. That even though we're called to clothe ourselves with these characteristics, we need to remember that these characteristics themselves are not the ultimate goal. (laughs) I think at times maybe, and I'll just speak for myself, that we can think of these things as the goal of life with God. I've arrived to full maturity when I put on these characteristics. Now, there is a level of maturity that comes to putting on those characteristics and letting that live out of your authentically transformed lives. Uh, but, the, but, uh, but it doesn't stop there, right? Uh, I read one author this week who helped me articulate better how I've changed in my thinking about this. He said, I've always thought of these as the goals or outcomes of a life of faith hidden with Christ, but I'm beginning to understand them as the ways and means to get to the goals and outcomes that we've been called to. The goal is to be a true reflection of the image of God. And all that that includes, that's in part what happens when we embody all of these. We get closer to being a true reflection of the image of God. As we embody these, we continue to grow in our relationship with God. It's kind of fun to think about, okay, with all the things that we're called to, that scripture calls us to, maybe we can think of these characteristics which are important for us to live out of an authentically changed heart. Maybe we can think of these characteristics as a uniform that we all wear. And when we're all wearing the same uniform, it's powerful and transformative to ourselves and to our communities. It's like when a football players get to the NFL, right? They get a uniform, which is really fun for them, I bet. You always see like the NFL draft where they either, it's like the cap and they get their uniform with their name on it. What a cool moment, right? Something they've been working toward all their life. So they get this uniform, which can certainly, we can say is one type of goal, Uh, When they make the team, but that's not the goal, right? It's not the end. Once they put on that uniform, they become part of a team who works together to win the Super Bowl. So we're going to take this metaphor and put it on our, in our, our spiritual lives as well. To be sure, Paul is talking, is saying that we do have some individual responsibility in that we must clothe ourselves with these characteristics. But as we do it, what we understand is that we're putting on a uniform that helps us reflect the true image of God in our lives as individuals and as a community. It's powerful when you think about this. For Paul, the end game is not a bunch of isolated individuals that are trying to live these out, even though living these out is good and we're called to do that. Paul's admonition is that we, we all, through the power of what Jesus has done for us, walk around, put on our new uniform, and work together to powerfully work for the kingdom of God, making a major difference in our local context and certainly the world. So do you see how it goes beyond just the individual living out of these things? That's important. But it's like the uniform we all put on. And we're striving together to make a difference for the kingdom of God in our world. I want in. (laughs) Here, kind of all of our themes are coming together. We are a group of people with Jesus as our central focus. Changed from the inside out. Working together together part of something larger, who are identified by the same characteristics where the Spirit of God is pleased to dwell. <laughs> All of this then together creates a kind of community, the conditions where the Holy Spirit heals wounded people, mends broken relationships, and enters into tragic and difficult situations and can bring hope and renewal and Doesn't our world need that today? These are not things that you and I can do on our own. Nor are they outcomes that we can accomplish by ourselves. These are things that only God can do. And what we've described are the kinds of communities that only God can create. And where he does all this incredible work. Worship team, would you come on back up? Colossians 3, 14 through 17 says this again. The end of our passage. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, weekly I'm just thankful for the truth of your scripture. We hear these words today in the context of the tragedy of this past week. Knowing that you're calling us as individuals and as a larger community of people to put on the characteristics of the one who is so needed in our world today. Not only as individuals, but as a community of faith as well. God, will you move powerfully in our lives and in our church to make a real difference in the lives of the people around us? Even if it's just a, a, a small beginning moment, a glimmer of hope that can lead to a radically changed life, we want to be part of that. It's what you've been calling the Colossians to in their own context, in a very difficult situation and season for them to live out these characteristics and come together as a community looking very different than the world around them. Empower us through your spirit. Guide us together. Help us live courageously the way that you've called us. We thank you for the opportunity to do so. We give you praise and glory, Jesus. We pray in your name.